Welcome back. We have a great show tonight and uh, really happy to be able to let you know that we have our friend uh, Carrie Rivera back. We did a show with her before about the book that she had recently put out called Healing the Symptoms of Autism. And excuse me, we had a great show at that time. And it was subsequently quickly taken down off most of the platforms that we were on. And this time we have a little better situation because uh, unless they change character suddenly, we've got several platforms that don't censor. And we'll put announcements on the other platforms that say what a terrible show it is and warnings not to watch it and exactly where not to watch it. And that should work really well. So anyway, um, Carrie's been working for a long time with people with kids with autism and other related issues and found some really unique and um, effective ways to deal with that, which is why it got censored. I wish they'd invent a country with free speech eventually. I don't know of any at the moment, but um, we have some interesting things to talk about. So welcome back, Carrie. It's nice to see you. Thanks. It's nice to be seen. Nice, nice to be out <laughs> and about again. Yeah, exactly. So um, have you changed anything from what you wrote in your book at that time oh, or are you pretty much helping much. people the same way what what's different right. yeah the, the the protocol has changed a lot I, I think the best is when you know better you do better and every time yeah. i've learned you know different people have come into my life at the right time and you know dr roby mitchell rest in peace amazing man he was doctor out of amarillo texas and he friended me maybe about five, six years ago. And he contacted me. He's like, tell me everything you know about Chlorine Dex. I'm like, who's this guy? And then I realized like, oh, yeah, you sent him to me. And then I started talking to him. And he got me understanding like the importance of hydrochloric acid. And, you know, this is a big thing for people, not just autism, but it's a really big thing that most people with autoimmune disorders have. They have low hydrochloric acid in the stomach. And it's just an example of how people come into my life, they wake up something that nobody's talking about in autism. Nobody's talking about the importance of things like hydrochloric acid. For example, you know, so many times they're like, take probiotics, take probiotics. Well, Mm -hmm. probiotics feed strep, so that's a problem. So our kids are usually worse with it. But how do you get yourself to actually grow your own flora? Because we know we have flora in there. It's just under a bunch of, you know, weeds, basically. It's under a bunch of pathogens and biofilm and stuff like that. So if you're putting in black seed oil, if you're putting in hydrochloric acid, if you're putting in certain things, you create an environment that now the gut is able to uh, regenerate and repopulate your own flora. You know, so I've learned along the way over the last 18 years that I've been working in autism, the last 12 with chlorine dioxide and the subsequent protocol that's, that's evolved from that, that it continues to evolve. So 
right. actualizing every year, I would say there's, there's almost always some change. And it doesn't mean that I'm adding more things, but sometimes like, I, like when the book was written, for example, I still thought probiotics were important. Now I understand the importance of creating your own flora and how to right. do it. So right. these right. are just very different things. Um, so the, the book is still valid on certain points. Like they talk about, well, I still talk about chlorine docs. I still talk about parasite protocols, still talk about uh, hyperbaric oxygen treatments and things of that nature. But the protocol has changed. And because I've been under such attack, you know, because I'm I'm right over the target. So Mm -hmm. under such attack that when I went to put out the next book in 2020 with a more current, you know, kind of up-to-date version, um, FDA kind of went after, you know, me. So different directions, can't really talk about it. But it it, it just became to the point where it, we said, okay, you know what, don't, don't, you know, kick the beehive and let's just keep helping people the way that we're doing it. Otherwise there's no way to help people. If you're, you know, if you're kicking the beehive constantly, you're always going to be dealing with the, the stings. Right. I want to interject one thing. And that is, you know, we have, we have people who are listening who have no idea what chlorine dioxide is. And okay. um, just to kind of bring that up to speed and then come back where sure. you're leaving off here. Um, okay. because I don't want to leave anybody out. Okay. There, there's a sub, the general idea is that, and, and I think this is more like real medicine. It's supposed to, this should be obvious, but it's not these days. It's supposed to be based around ideas and procedures and things that don't hurt you. That's like a lost concept and almost all of modern allopathic medicine is based on materials and procedures that damage the patient. And it's so normalized and so universal now that most of the medical personnel and doctors don't even notice. And they think, oh, yeah, it has side effects. And they call it side effects so that they'll think it doesn't matter. And what it means is it, there's no real in nature differentiation between side effects and effects. It's just part of the effects of the so-called medicine. And so when something is discovered that helps people and doesn't hurt or kill them, that should be something that's celebrated. And instead of that, because of the control of the industry, it's attacked. And there was a guy named Jim Humble, who was, I think, in Africa when he first found it. Uh, South America. Or South America. I was yeah. in the jungle somewhere. Yeah. And, and there was a big problem with malaria. And he just had this idea, correct me if I'm wrong, that this approved water treatment because malaria is supposed to be caused by a parasite and water treatments sometimes kill parasites that let's just, this is what we've got. Let's try it since everybody around here has malaria and they all instantly got better. And it it just developed from there. And in fact, the red cross was there in represent representatives of red cross were there in the village where he was to, who witnessed the cure of all these people with um, malaria. That was later. That was later. Oh, that, that was, was another the, time? The, Well, that was, well, that first, Jim was a miner and he was mining gold. And right. people started to die from malaria in the different camps around that area of the, of the, I think he was in, not Venezuela, he was next to Venezuela, somewhere in that area. Some tropical America. South America. Yeah, he was definitely in South America. He was up by Venezuela somewhere. But anyway, so people were actually, people had died. It was really, really a very bad outbreak of malaria. And he had the drops he had bought from the camping store before he went on his expedition. And so he said, well, how, you know, how could it hurt? I'll just give him a bunch of it, you know? Right. And, so he did. And of course, the people, you know, they vomiting and stuff like this. And then like three, four hours later, laying around laughing. Oh, we're fine. This is great. But then 
many years later, so that was like 25 years ago. Then many okay. years later, and this was during my time, it was with Leo Kehoff, um, a man out of, out of Netherlands and Germany. He went with the Red Cross to Africa. So that part was in Africa. That was in Africa, but okay. Jim wasn't with uh, Leo when that happened. Jim okay. had been in Africa at different times treating uh, HIV and things of this nature. But this is only like in 2011, I think this happened, that, that Leo went with the Red Cross. Wow. And they had a Red Cross representative. You can still find it on YouTube. It's not been taken down. And they actually measured everybody that came, and they gave them like free tents so that the people come back the next day and be tested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were giving them a three to six drops, depending if they were children and adults, just one drink. Then the next day they'd have to come back. But people walked many, many, many miles or kilometers to get right. to this site where they were doing this test. So they, they gave them the tent and they came back the next day. And every single person, I think there were 50 or 60 people in their test, their uh-huh. test kit, their test group, 50 or 60 people. And every single person was negative the next day. So it's really like one drink and done with malaria. So even though you're not supposed to say cure, Basically, it cured malaria in 24 hours. In one drink, like in maybe what, With one second, one two dose. seconds? And, yeah. and, and he had heard about it because of Jim's experience in, in South America? Or Leo not? was a seller of, of chlorine dioxide, and Leo had a publishing company called Jim Humble Publishing in Germany. So he was publishing Jim's book and had been knowing Jim for a while. And so okay. when he okay. somehow had a contact to the, to the Red Cross, and then after mm-hmm. that was done, the Red Cross denied it, even though the video existed. You know, we live they, in an upside-down world. They People said like, they were never there. Sure, but the video I, is still on the. It's still on YouTube, even. Wow! So YouTube doesn't realize the connection. I don't know why they haven't figured it out because they've pretty much found everybody. You know, all of us. I talked to one of the main guys who was there. I don't remember the name right now because I wanted to get him on a show, and he said he was too afraid of being killed. Because malaria is taking out, I think it's one child every 20 seconds dies of malaria. Millions of children in Africa die every year from malaria. It is absolutely avoidable. How does malaria kill people? What does it do? It's a very aggressive parasite where you get vomiting and diarrhea. So you basically... Dehydrate. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Wow. So anyway, this water treatment that was used for that and that Jim Hummel had with him comes in two components, right? And right. when you're ready to use it, you it's like epoxy. You have to mix it on the site. And, you, and it's a liquid. It's two liquids that you put together. And it's been approved for decades for purifying water, right? It's the best for breaking up biofilms that are, and especially what's in water and it kills pathogens. Uh, it's been around since the late 1800s. And if people are interested, they can go to a, uh, there's a documentary that was created by a, an amazing man, did an amazing documentary called The Universal Antidote. And that's the website. It's at www.theuniversalantidote.com. The, the and it's in about maybe 10 or 12 languages, but it is, this man really did a documentary on chlorine dioxide. I'm not in there. It's like they talk only a brief moment about Jim, a brief moment about Andreas, but they, he nails everything that is this, this, this molecule. A phenomenal okay. job. So if anybody's yeah. interested, really go read it. Go, go listen to this. It's just a very well done documentary. So because this doesn't hurt anybody, right. and you've never heard of anybody that it's hurt, right? I've never heard anybody die from chlorine dioxide. The only thing I've ever seen is, you know, you take too much, you know, you, you could vomit or feel bad, but that's, yeah. you know, work up to it. I, I don't but know. But it anybody. hasn't damaged anybody that we no, know of. It's not and possible. I, 
I've looked at hundreds and hundreds of testimonials, and I haven't seen, and they don't know each other. They're just clearly, honestly saying their experience. And the government and the medical industry is verifying that by trying to wipe out anybody that talks about it. They make your life very difficult, I can tell you that. <laughs> exactly. So the, the challenge, and, and then there's um, Mark Grennan, right, and his sons, and what he thought, he was an American, and he decided, oh, in America, we've got the First Amendment, so there's no problem, because that includes freedom of religion exactly. and freedom of speech, exactly. and we'll make it a religion. And he started a church, and the church was using this as a sacrament, and he thought, well, we've really got it figured out now. And um, he was the, what was his official position in the church? The uh, I don't know the name, but he started the church, and it was really not a church of religion. It was a church of protection for people who use and sell chlorine dioxide. And healing, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And if, in fact, the rules were the same for those who put the rules and those who enforce the rules and those who live by the rules and pay taxes for the rules to be enforced, then mm-hmm. he would be a free man today. And, and actually, he hasn't done anything wrong. He's, he's not even had a trial. He's been in jail. Him and his three boys have been in jail for almost two solid years without ever having a trial. It's similar to the January 6th people. They're so exactly. threatening. You're- Exactly. You're guilty before proven innocent and you're going to sit here and rot. And they even told him that it isn't until September of 2022 that we're going to even give you a a trial date. Some kind of a hearing. Some kind of hearing. And who knows if they're going to even keep with that. And he was captured in Colombia. He was living in Colombia with and his one of his sons was living in Colombia and two of his sons were living in Florida. They just invaded, invaded the house and put him in prison. And it all treated them like criminals. I mean, and just, I think that was U.S. agents that did that, right? Wasn't it? I'm not sure. I, I think that the U.S. basically, you know, they told the Colombians to do it. They their told the Colombians to yeah. do it. Oh, we're not and then his, his sons that I think were, he was down there with one son. One son lived there with his family. And they're still in prison after two years with no charges. Exactly. No trial, no charges. And then two other sons, which were also bishops in the church, yeah. were in Florida. Right. And they were treated the same way by the U.S. Right. They're still in jail. Bradington, Florida, I think. And now all three of the boys are together in jail. But they moved one of them uh, from Columbia, which the whole thing is horrible because he has a family in Columbia. He's got three beautiful children. Wife. Wow. Wow. The whole thing is so disturbing. It's amazing. It's a clue to the power structure that we live under right now. Well, I think what we're seeing right now, and it's, you know, it's 2022, just to mention, I mean, this is an upside down world. Every time yeah. you listen to something that's happening, you just kind of say, how is this possible? Why are we all accepting this? And you know, right. there's, that, there's that line from The Bug's Life. It's a, mo- a Disney movie. I'm not talking about Disney, but this, the line from the movie yeah. is, yeah, if yeah. those ants ever figure out that there's more of them than all of us, our way of life is over. Yeah, so, so any okay, of them that suggest it, we, we got to st- <laughs> stop <laughs> them right in the beginning. We've got to do something. And they don't care whether something is written as illegal. No. They just do it anyway. Well, exactly like the church. I mean, it, 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 Mark created a church. Right. You know, a church is not, it, it's an entity. It's not necessarily that you're worshiping a God or anything like this. It's more of a protection of, of ideas. Well, he said, this is our religion. And in the America, it's illegal to make any law restricting that, or obviously to enforce any law restricting that. So interesting. So, and they've gone after you for the same reason. 
And I've seen uh, clips from Canadian television saying this lady, this evil Carrie Rivera, she leads this cult, you see, and what they believe in is pouring bleach on babies, and that's their sacrament. And they literally said that. Wow. wow. I mean, I watched them. And so, wow. first of all, um, to be clear, um, the, the material that we're talking about, the chlorine dioxide, is different than bleach. And how would you explain that to somebody? Well, bleach, you know, every every molecule, whether it's oxygen or ozone, let's just go simple. Oxygen, we all know oxygen, O2. We know ozone, O3. O3, you don't breathe it. It can damage your lungs. It can be good for you. IV, it can be good for you otherwise, but you don't breathe it. O2, you breathe it. It's a good thing, you know, especially if you need more of it, you take more of it, this kind of thing. So you say, oh, two, oh, three. Well, they must be cousins. They must be exactly the same or really similar. So chlorine dioxide, while it has the same word chlorine, like the stuff we're used to putting into pools or, you know, most municipalities use chlorine, unfortunately, in drinking water, which is making it toxic. Some Um, people use table salt. That's a chlorine compound. Exactly. And they eat it. Exactly. So So there's a lot of stuff that are similar but they're not exactly the same and exactly how you and I were talking right before we started. Like I've never heard anybody and I've been, you know, in the world of chlorine dioxide for over, over 12 years. I've never in these 12 years and I've had Facebook groups in excess of 60,000 people before Facebook turned everything off. You know, nobody was harmed. Nobody was harmed. 60,000 people on Facebook. We had, we had about the 13 different languages. Like my Arab, my Arabic group was about 12,000. My Turkish group was about 11,000. My English group was somewhere around, 12, 13,000 Russian, mm. Portuguese, Spanish. I, I, I'm leaving some languages out. But, and then we had a moderator group that moderated the groups. Nobody was harmed. Actually, thousands were recovered. You, know? you were also demonstrating how people from all over the world, different countries can cooperate together and do the same thing and appreciate each other and that sort of thing. In other words, it, kind of be normal. We're all the same. Like, I, it doesn't matter what color, religion, race, what, we're all the same. We're all I don't know if you're allowed to say that anymore, but oh, sorry. I, think, I think that's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, what would happen if the people from all the different countries, you know, realized, wow, we're literally parts of one family. Exactly. exactly. We are. And like I've never the, met. Sorry, go ahead. Like the ants standing up. I've never met a mother or father who wasn't absolutely crushed by their child being vaccine injured. And then they got a label of autism. I've never seen a family not be crushed by that. So we all cry the same tears. And I work with families in over 77 different countries. We cry the same tears. We suffer the same way. There is no difference. You know, if they try to separate. And it's, you know, it's not countries doing all these insane things. It's governments of countries. And it's the criminals who have taken over Virtually every government that I know of. Exactly. So how did you, what were you doing before you ran into chlorine dioxide and how did that happen? Um, I was running a biomedical clinic. It was the first biomedical clinic in Latin America. It was in Mexico where I was living with my first husband and uh, my two kids. My, okay. my second child was diagnosed with autism at the age of four. That was okay. in 2004. Okay. And uh, of course, you know, when life gives you lemon, I made lemonade. So I opened a clinic and started to help people with what information I knew. So diet and hyperbarics and chelation and supplements. So your own child started your interest in autism? Well, yeah, I was forced into it, (laughs) forced into it because the thing is he was fine. He was born fine. So eventually when like, 
he gets really difficult. You know, he starts to lose language and eye contact up sleeping at night. It's diarrhea and drooling and crying. And like life just became literally impossible. Right. The child was suffering. There was the family was suffering. So something happened between the age of like one, one and a half, and then two, you know, one and a half to two and a half. Things went drastically wrong. But yeah. you can't really understand what's happening because you're dealing with a sort of a, a hell that is happening and it's kind of coming on and you don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you figure out what caused it? Um, after he was diagnosed, and he was diagnosed by a tourist who was on vacation. It was a friend of the director of the school, my kids. It was very serendipitous, I yeah, would say, right. because I had been you know, also wondering what was wrong with him. It was really difficult. And the teacher at his school, she was in like a little kindergarten of the same school that his older brother went to. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, you know, did you find out what's wrong with Patrick? You know, they were kind of trying to urge me to go see doctors. And every doctor I went to, they're like, oh, he's a baby of the family, bilingual home. He's spoiled. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. everything you can imagine. Again, this is 2003. 2004. So internet's pretty weak. You know, I didn't even have email at that point. So um, there was not a lot of information being shared around the world. And still autism wasn't the epidemic as strong as it is today. Uh, And so uh, finally, this this tourist, she's uh, the the director of the school said, Oh, hey, Mimi wants to see your kids after school. And I said, All right, so I'll take a shower, come back. So we came back in the evening. And she started asking me, Oh, does he always run in circles and squeal and flap? And I was like, Yeah. And she said, well, you know, it looks like he has autism. And I said, you know, are you sure? And she said, well, I did my postgraduate in autism, so I'm pretty sure. And so then I went home and I I mean, I was destroyed because I knew at that moment my life was never going to be the same. Like once you have this information, life is never going to be the same. Yeah. So I went home. I was hysterical. And when I got there, the moms from the other friends of my other son who's into a sleepover, they were already there. The, the meeting went longer than I had expected. And one okay. of the moms says, oh, I have a book about a gluten-free, casein-free diet for people with ADD, ADHD, and autism. And I was like, can you lend it to me? So the next day, she brought me the book when she picked up her son from the sleepover. And mm. I read it immediately. And basically, my son ate everything that was not allowed, except for he ate potatoes. So okay. I said, okay, okay. I, you know, talk to the staff. We'll go going on this diet. And they're like, well, he only eats potatoes. I'm like, well, we're going to eat potatoes. So he started eating French fries made with coconut oil, potatoes, and sea salt. Right, right. Three days later, this is a child who lost all his speech. At the age of one, he had 50 words at least. By mm. the age of two and a half, he had zero words. Wow. And wow. by three and a half, he was like three years, four months old when he got the diagnosis. And after three days on just potatoes, coconut oil, and sea salt, he spoke three words again. Wow. So I, so I Incredible. said, Some, something's up, right? That must Ooh. have been kind of exciting for you, I would imagine. He hadn't changed that much. He was still very difficult. But I said, well, something's up with this diet. You thing, noticed right? some change, yeah. Right. And so then um, I still was like still like not knowing really what to do. And then this, uh, this person told me, Oh, there's this guy, he lives over here and he, he does a therapy with kids, but he's retired from it and stuff. So I'm like, give me his name. So I like yeah, hunting this yeah. guy down. I'm like, please, please work with my son. Please, please. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 I don't do that anymore. I don't want to do it. But he was like one of the good guys from the States, but he moved to Mexico. And anyway, okay. he didn't want to do it. So finally, I'm like, okay, fine. You know, he's like, I'll put you in touch with some people. I'm like, no, but you're here. Please, I need to start working my son right away. So I walk out of his building after I couldn't convince him. And I see this friend, not a friend, an acquaintance from tennis. And she's driving past. And I was like, I 
had like the worst, worst week of my life, let's just say. And so, but I thought to myself, you know what? Life is about smelling the roses along the road, you know? So I said, hi, Susan. And she says, oh, hi. I said, oh, nice car. She's got a brand new car. I'm like, oh, congratulations, nice car. And I'm dragging myself to this conversation because the last thing I want to do is see anybody or talk to anybody. And she says, oh, I had a terrible week. I'm like, oh man, wait till you hear mine. And then, and then she says, oh, I had this deal go through and she's in real estate. You know, like her bad week was nothing like my bad week. Yeah. And I said to her, I said, well, my son was just diagnosed with autism this week. I said, I had a really bad week. And she turns her car off. That's a woman I just acquaintance. Like she's playing tennis on the court next to me. We both had mm-hmm. old dogs. So we were like giving them the same arthritis yeah. medication. So it was a very superficial relationship. She turns off her car and she says to me, Carrie, I'm so sorry. I have a friend who started an autism center in Toronto, Canada. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give her your, your email. I said, oh. I, you know, I, I was beyond myself. So she took my, my email the next day. I had an email like this long from a woman by the name of Nora Whitney. She is my first angel besides Susan who got me to Nora yeah. and Nora explained to me what happened. She says, your child's vaccine injured. This is happening. We're in an epidemic right now. And you've got to get to this doctor in Florida. He knows about how to treat it. Autism is avoidable, treatable, curable. You've got to get there. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get there. And then she's like, you've got to get a hold of this Bobby Newman. He does ABA therapy. Long, short, sorry, short. Not that I, I got, I found the guy. Got a hold of the guy, and I, his wife is like a specialist as well. So the wife would come with her family, her mother and her father, to watch her little boy while she uh-huh. worked with my team. So it became like this big, like, uh, you know, this big, uh, vo- um, it was like a, I can't explain it, but it was like this, like a, well, almost like a tornado. Uh, yeah. A big group project. Like a vortex. Yeah, it was. And it, it just kind of led one piece to the other to the other. And that's why, like I said to you, I mean, my protocol keeps evolving because kind of like when I get to the point where I think, okay, I think I understand. I think we're totally there. Mm-hmm. There becomes like some more better information and then you readjust. So right, always readjusting. Right, right. Always fixing. So there are certain things that I know and there are certain things that I know to be true, like chlorine dioxide. Since 12 years, I have known this to be the pillar of the healing of autism. And Which one of these things. people was the first one to tell you about chlorine dioxide? Actually, that was a really weird story. So 2009, I'm in Guadalajara visiting a doctor who does IV chelation for the kids from my clinic. Right, right. And so I'm in his office and we're just kind of talking about the cases and stuff like that. It was not like a, you know, he wasn't, it was just a kind of a friendly visit. And the nurse walks in with this big, huge box and they're blue, like sapphire blue and emerald green bottles. And of course, you know, women were like, oh, what's that? <laughs> Those right, pretty right, colors. Right. And he's like, oh, those are detox drops. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, how much? He's like, 20 bucks, you know? And I was like, oh, I'll take like a few packs, you know? Yeah. So, because I was so enthralled. And he's like, yeah, I just take a drop here and there, like whatever. So that was 2009. And then I was like, I mean, 20 bucks is not going to cure autism for 20 bucks, you know? So I just like stuck them in a drawer. I didn't even pay any attention to them. I went on to spend another year spending tens of thousands of dollars on a treatment that made my son actually worse, which is a bunch mm-hmm. of supplements and lab testing and supplements and lab testing. Right. And finally, somebody came that I, some weird guy came through. Mexico has a lot of people that like healer types that come through. He's like, listen, whatever you're doing with your son, he's not better with it. You got to stop it. Like, you know, muscle testing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, yeah, I saw him. He was not better. And again, it was like nine months of not getting better. Right. So I stopped. And literally 24 hours, he was better. So I'm like, okay, that's not it. And that was really the end of the biomedical protocols from 
other doctors and, and practitioners. Well, you said that 24 was, hours after what he was better. After stopping the supplements and, and oh, lab just getting testing. rid of the bad treatment. Letting you, the stupid treatments, like a lot of people are, these medical doctors in the States that are biomedical and they're doing autism, they're treating labs. They're not treating the child. They're just like right. running labs, treating the labs, and they never bother to look at the child. So they ever. have a number they want to get on the, on the lab. No, he's level. not getting magnesium. Well, what? Oh, you're low in hydrochloric acid. You're not going to get it. But so they just kept putting magnesium and diarrhea. Well, anyway, so then I literally was like, okay, there is no cure for autism. But then I was like quite certain that my son was never going to heal. And, right. you know, I knew that there was, I'd heard about it. You know, Nora told me, and I knew that there were doctors dedicating themselves to these things. I'd gone to many conferences, mm-hmm. saw that it was possible. Right. But then I was really like disheartened and at a clinic at that point with, you know, doctors and nurses and psychologists and all neurofeedback and hyperbarics, all kinds of stuff. And people were making advances. They were better. You know, it wasn't they okay. were not better, but it was like we're missing some really key ingredients, you know. And so I laid on my kid's bed when they went to school and I was really in a place like I couldn't even talk to anybody about it because I was really at a place in my own head. Like, if it doesn't work, I'm not leading people to a dry a dry watering hole, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I laid on the kid's bed when they were at school one day and I just like put my palms up in the air and I thought to myself, maybe you're praying to the wrong name. Maybe you're like saying, you know, whatever, and it should be something else and you're offending, you know, the power that is. And so I just started to name names. You know, I went from kind of God, Allah, Buddha, Virgin, angels. I went through a lot of them. You're doing your own scientific experiment with God. I didn't know what to do, Richard. I was just desperate. I mean, I was a mom that really, I would have done, I would still to this day do anything that children don't have to have No, I think that, that kind of sincerity in asking for an answer usually gets something. I made a compromise, though. And, and, and I can't explain it because it wasn't like I was talking to anybody. You know, it wasn't like that. I, I, I didn't hear voices or anything. So nobody has to right. think, oh, maybe she's got that bipolar disorder. But no, I was <laughs> literally like laying there and like thoughts were coming into my head. And right. I was like, where are those drops? And then I went to um, my, 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 book, my bookshelves and I had them kind of jammed in there. And then you I know, said, that, okay. That's often how it works, though. If you ask, it's not like this, you know, a burning bush appears in your room or <laughs> you hear this loud screaming in your head. It's, it's like, yeah, you know, right. some, some thought comes to you right. that's not necessarily overwhelming. It's just right. quiet and you hadn't paid any attention to it for a while. So you did get answered. I did. And you know what? I rem- The feeling that I was left, because I can only say it's a feeling, right. that you're going to have to carry a very heavy burden. It is going to be difficult and you can never let it go. That's okay. the compromise. So okay. Okay. it's been very heavy. I'm going to say it's been very expensive. It is, uh, it, it, it takes you off balance because the attack is so strong. And when I see people that are under attack and you talked about the Jan six and you talked about things like that, it's been like that to me. You know, I have just been under attack consistently for six years. Well, so, so just to fill in the sequence, when you got the thought, what are those drops? Chlorine dioxide. What did you do? What I did was I took them downstairs to the, to the kitchen and I got the dry shot glass and I put it, you know, a drop, a drop, waited a little bit. It changed colors. It stunk. And I'm like, wow, it still works. Yeah. And then what I did, this is 2010. This is June, 2010. Okay. 
And then I spend probably the next maybe two weeks investigating on the internet. And this goes back when Google was still a search engine. It's no longer. Yeah. And there were also testimonials all over it, too. They were all over MMS, this, MMS, that. They were all over. So what I started to do was I know that autism has very high levels of heavy metals, parasites, candida, bacteria, virus, overall body burden of inflammation. We have oxidative stress because of all the pathogens, you know, releasing their toxins, the brain, you know, involved allergies, leaky gut. So I started to investigate all that and read and read and read. And what I never found was anything about autism or ADD, ADHD. But I did find when I went into the exact things of candida and bacteria and parasites and all that, I was able to read and find. But at that point, the father of my son was like, he was just done hearing about anything about cure after spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in me traveling many kilometers by planes and doing everything you could imagine, even opening a clinic. Right. And, you know, he, Patrick was better at that point, but he was still really far from where we would want him to be. And he was 10 years old. At that point, he just, he, he was about to turn 10. So, like, every time his birthday was coming up, I always tried to start some sort of a new intervention because that would sure. give me hope that year. Yeah. So, yeah. it was like June, July. And I really didn't want to talk to him about this intervention that I had been investigating, even though I had it in the house, because he was just done. He's like, you know what? autism is just a label and we have to accept it and this kind of stuff. And, you know, I would accept something if he was maybe born with something like you have to down syndrome or something, not, ex- not accept certain things, but accept that like, okay, he had a genetic disorder and I'm just mm. going to make his life the best I can. But right. he was born fine. He had this period of neurotypical development and then he's not fine. Did and you then, ever isolate which vaccination was was the turning point? It's a cumulative effect for most kids. It's not necessarily one. It's okay. those 42 that they get before. And now it's 72, Richard. I know. 72 before the age of two. People say, my kid didn't get 72. In one injection, one needle, there can be seven or eight. Right. And they get a lot of them get one right after they're born. Uh, they do. It's called hepatitis B with influenza B. And as you know, hepatitis B is only in IV drug users or um, prostitutes of, of this type of thing. That's the excuse. Yeah. Yeah. But our kids are, you know, they're not actually, they're not doing any of those things. They're just, you know, maybe yeah. breastfeeding it at the most. Like that's a big, right. Right. You, know, you right. Yeah. So, okay. So you tried it, right? You gave, Oh, no, 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 because I was still couldn't even broach this conversation with, with the father. Okay. So now the summer is passing, and I go to the clinic one day, and I, I, I go into the, the chamber room where the hyperbaric chamber was, and out of the chamber pops uh, the best, uh, my ex-husband's best friend's uh, cousin and, and girlfriend. Okay. And I said to, hi, how are you guys? And in Mexico, you typically say hi, give a little kiss on the cheek. It's always a very good salutation. She just says to me, we're taking MMS. And I was like, <laughs> and it was like, like a bucket of water came down on me. I mean, it was yeah. so inappropriate. It's like if you didn't get it by now, here, we're going to just tell you. Stupid, <laughs> wake up. <Yeah. laughs> it was right. like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you have to come to the house. We have to talk about it. I've been investigating. I've been reading. And they're like, oh, no, we feel great. Yeah, we took too much. And we vomited, but we feel great now. And it was like a very dynamic conversation. I was like, oh, my gosh. Wow. So they came to the house. We talked about it. And we kind of like we set our bar really low. We're like, we'll start taking it if we don't die. We gave it to him. Like we at this yeah, point really yeah. didn't have a high threshold. You know, right. just figure we'd want to make sure we weren't going to die. But I had done so much investigation. Dying wasn't even like anywhere in the internet over those weeks that I had studied. There's not right. that was not that was not an option. Yeah. Yeah. 
So at that point, I said, okay, so I, we st- I started with one drop in the morning and one drop at night. Nothing, n- nothing at all. And but- this is a drop in a glass of water. Right. Yeah, exactly. One drop in a glass of water, you know, because that was kind of really the instructions were very weak at this point. And there right. was nothing about children, nothing about autism, nothing about ADD, ADHD. Right. So I start sending emails to the church. So I'm getting Mark or Jim. I'm, I'm emailing like frantically, like, I'm this mom. I do these conferences. I got this clinic, you know, and I help these people. And so finally, Mark Brennan answers me and he says, hey, great. You know, I'm going to put I'm going to make sure Jim contacts you. So then the next day I got an email from Jim and he said, if it's a 25 pound child, one drop eight times, if it's a 50 pound child, two drops eight times. If it's a hundred pound child, three drops eight times. Kind of vague, but I can go with it. So my son was exactly a hundred pounds. He had just turned 10. It was August of 2010. So that was three drops, not four. It was three drops, eight times a day for 100 pounds. And let's clarify when you're saying drop, you mean a combined drop, one drop of each component. Right, and they mix together for like thirty seconds or something. A minute, but yeah, exactly. Or a minute, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you have what eight ounces of water, or how much? Well, with one drop, with three drops, you need three ounces. So for every one drop, one ounce. Okay, so just a little bit of water. Yeah, I mean, but you can put it into a lot of water if you want. So So this is when you started giving it to him. Well, I didn't really know what I, I did not know what I was doing. Remember, so I have like very weak information because there's nothing about autism and nothing about children. And right. then Jim just kind of gave me like a weight thing. So, um, so I started that day, and of course you see these drops, and you're like, can't really be doing anything. Twenty bucks, you know, like can't really do anything. Yeah. Um, so later on that day, and again I'm a three three three. He he projectile vomited sometime in the afternoon between four and five o'clock. Wow! And I know I've been in detox world for you know now from 2004 until 2010 so i know about detox and so, okay. okay we're just going to slow it down because you know i didn't you know those were jim's in, in instructions but there was nothing specific about autism or my son or anything so I thought, that was okay, on three you, drops that was three drops but it was like probably five or six times he had taken it over that uh, course of that day okay got it you know, and then by the afternoon, I said, okay, we'll let him, you know, just kind of let it go. And then uh, he ate and everything was fine. And then that evening, I was sitting in the TV room, just me and him, and I was reading a book, and he was jumping up and down, flapping in front of his touchscreen computer, watching YouTube videos. And he's a child that, like, could stay up till two o'clock in the morning, jumping up and down in front of a computer, you know, just touching and going around his uh, YouTube. And at nine o'clock at night, I'm just reading the book, and he turns to me and he says, I want bed. <laughs> you know, okay, never heard that out of his mouth. But now at this point, he had he had some words, so he could say like, "I want chicken," "I want car," "I want go walk." Like he could say some things, but he would never say things like those mundane, like "go to bed," you know, or mm-hmm. you know that kind of boring stuff. Right. So, so, what did he say again? He wants bed. I want bed. He said. Okay. But he turned to me and like it was like, "I want bed." Like he knew eye, that I was in charge of eye that. contact, clear intent. Yeah, it was. It was message. I didn't believe it, you know, because I've been doing this for so long, and the doctors that I'd worked with always told me my son was a non-responder. I don't want to talk about how bad I feel about those. Doctors people, are trained to say all the things that are impossible. Like you're the jerk. Job. Like he's the jerk. You know, like yeah. I thought you guys yeah. were the professionals, and I'm coming to it anyway. You're so, never going to walk again. All kinds of stuff like that. Exactly, and how many people, you know, once they took it onto themselves. So right. I said. I said, okay, because I didn't even believe that was possible. I said, okay. And then he starts walking up to his room. So I followed him. 
And uh-huh. again, nobody's around me. I don't know. My, one of my sons was probably gaming downstairs in the basement. His father's probably upstairs. So it was a big, tall house. So yeah. I get to his room and he turns to me and looks at me and I says, I want to take bath. Again, <laughs> I'm like, then I'm like, I think I really did hear that. And I thought, well, you know, maybe he's just kind of like finally getting it. Cause I used to be like, take the bath, take, like I always do like, you know, the bath time cheerleading and stuff. Yeah. Um, so he gets to the top and he's like, with his his aloofa pad, and he's like soaping up and happy, but he's not happy like that giddy manic like candy that <laughs> like that weird laughter. He's right. like really enjoying himself, and I was like, "Wow!" Then again, my kid's a non responder. You know, yeah, yeah. Don't get excited about this. We already know it's impossible. So then I'm drying him off, and when I peeled his face back, his uh-huh. eyes met my eyes. The veil of autism was gone, and he was back. He was not recovered, Richard, but he was right. back, and he's still back. And this back. is the first day. That first day. First day. Full dose, first day. Hmm. That yeah, would be don't... like an earth-shaking experience. It was crazy. And then we yeah. started to play, like, blanket, and he asked for blanket, uh, he asked to brush right, his teeth. Right. And then from there, I would go to the clinic, and people like, what are you doing with Patrick? And I'm like, well, I bought these drops from this guy, in Guala- this doctor in Guadalajara. Here's his number. Right, so people right. started to buy them. And they're like, well, how do we use them? And of course, I had to figure out with Patrick how to use them because that was not going to happen. I'm not going to have my kid vomiting no matter what's going on. It's not going to happen. So right. I thought, okay, let me slow it down. And let me do one drop in the morning, one drop in the evening. Next day, one drop morning, one drop midday, one drop. E-. So I started to like spread it out. And then I've moved yeah. into since then, I've kind of moved into like the baby bottle method where we take one drop and we reduce it into 16 ounces. And you take one ounce. So you're taking very, very low and you work up like that. That's how you take a fraction of an ounce. A, yeah, exactly. Well, that's how you take a fraction of a drop. Because uh, I'm, I'm trying, sorry, a fraction yeah. of a drop. Right. Yeah, if you're trying to break up a drop and, you know, this little drop into many. So it's important that people understand that you make right. one, one drop solution, which is a drop of each of the two components allowed then, to sit together for a minute or so. And, and then and if you, yeah, then you then take you, one sixteenth of a drop in each ounce. 16 times well, to get to that, you make one drop in how many ounces to begin 16 with? 16 ounces. I, I would put it into 16 ounces and then just okay. take one ounce hour. And then, make, and then it, it disperses and mixes by itself, right? By, it's gas. Chlorine dioxide is a gas. Okay, right. And, and then you take one sixteenth of that, and that's like one sixteenth of your original drop. So if you want to have a really small dose, that's how you do it. That's how I would do it no matter. And, you know, after, after all these years, now it's been 12 years that I've been hanging out in this world. Right. I still think that even if you have Lyme disease or fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue or you have any issues, I wouldn't start higher than that because most people that have chronic illness have been carrying around a pathogen load above most for mm-hmm. many, many years. So you're going to feel pretty bad if you go really quickly. You know, people say, well, I read the book by this guy and I read the book by that guy. And they said this. It's like, yeah, but that's why you feel bad. So what you discovered in experience was the connection between the gut and the brain. Because what you did to help your son the first day was a change in brain function. And so you took away what was obscuring the brain function, and that was in the gut. That, that's a really important discovery, seems to me. We knew right, that there, yeah. right, right now, there's this mentality of specialization. If you go into the allopathic medical world, there are 10 different gut specialists, you know, the right side of the gut or the small intestine or whatever, small compartmentalization. They don't talk to the brain specialists. And there's probably 10 different kinds of brain specialists, too. And what you're saying is, wait a minute, the parts of the body are connected. 
That's, we're not a car. We're not a, a car. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. So sorry, didn't mean to interrupt, but I No, we're not a car. We're human beings. So we're all connected. The arm is connected to the leg is connected to the toe. So the idea of like chopping or just looking into one one area, you have to deal with all at one time. And that's right. why chlorine dioxide. Now, of course, this is 12 years later. So I created a protocol. I was really important to me that it was like it was a movement of parent to parent. So I started doing conferences all over the literally all over the world and working with families, basically like, you know, texting and this kind of stuff and Facebook groups where there were, like I said, like 60,000 at any one time. And we had 60 moderators working on these groups as well. Wow. Incredible. It was amazing. It was really an amazing time. And then, of course, the censorship and the trolls and all this kind of stuff started like 2000. 14, 15, really heavy in those years. And now, of course, I think we just see it not just in medicine. We see it across the board. We see it in politics and we see it in, you know, like you said, I mean, there's no difference between you and I and anybody else in any other country. And there's no difference between any of the leaders in in our country of origin or any other country in the world. The leaders are all the same. And the individuals who are just, you know, kind of like, you know, sheep. And they're wolves. We don't really yeah. have much of a choice unless we're going to stand up. And I don't think that the world is ready to put us all together and stand up. People have been successfully brainwashed and, and indoctrinated. And you can see it in the wording, even of some of the people that understand some of it. Um, if the U.S., for example, did an invasion of a country or started a war, this person talking will say, we started a war. And, and I'm telling them, no, we didn't. Did you start the war? I'm sure I didn't do it. Yeah. It's the few people that have gotten into these positions of power that are doing this stuff. Most yeah. most of the humans all over the planet are just trying to live. We love our children. We want peace. Yeah. We want to be able to provide a roof and some food and some education and love. Yeah. You know, we've come here to love and be loved. Right. And that is my biggest. Um, right. That is my biggest wish for every child who ever crossed through the front door of my clinic, and for any family that I have the opportunity to work with directly or indirectly from people that represent me on uh, social media as well. The goal is always just to heal the child and um, to give the family back the peace and happiness that they right healing the child always helps the family the and families were all suffering you know part yeah. of your heart is always broken like it'll it'll never be the same as it was before they right. told you your you know before you lost your child to autism before the, and then the part that like I, with my mom too for example the part that makes her so upset you know because she's you know very aware of all this stuff is it didn't have to be this way like it didn't have to happen like if it wasn't for those greedy bad evil people that run WHO, CDC, uh, all these things. Well, and, and the millions of people who are aware of it and follow orders, yeah. you know, like you were talking about free speech, the people who watch this video that you're making now on various platforms that are censored and they have a job. And in order to get their paycheck, they have to make sure nobody can hear you. That's a disconnect from conscience, you know, just overruling it. And that's about the ant standing up. If they overrule the conscience, it, it's the ant not standing up. So we need to change that. 100% we need to change that. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I don't know who's going to lead the revolution. I mean, it has to be an international one because now we're in an international world. We're not a national world anymore. Well, it's a collect, collection of national groups, right? Which 
uh, are supposed to be cooperating with each other if they weren't all dominated by these crazy leaders or controllers. What was the sequence of development after you discovered this with your son? What were the main other steps that happened after that? I started to do a lot of conferences internationally, and one of the big one was in Venezuela. So um, early on, a a few families came from Venezuela to my clinic to do hyperbarics. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was like, here's these drops. you got to do these drops. And and the kids were getting better. And and they're like, we really want to open a foundation in Venezuela. Will you come and do a conference? And I said, yeah, sure, for, for sure, you know. Right, right. So March of 2011 was the first conference I did there. Um, and there were like a thousand people there, a thousand. Wow. They did a good promotion then too. They're amazing people. The people that I met, the Venezuelans that I know, they're, they're very, very close friends of mine now, 12 years later, of course, because we've done a total of six conferences together. And then they went on to do more right after the, you know, there was uh, Chavez died and Maduro took over. And so that was really not possible for me to even fly there, but they were still helping the families. We were still trying to ship in the, this, you know, chlorine docs and other, other things. They were still able to get it in there, which was really good. Good. Yeah. So that was good news. Um, and, and then there was a lot of things that happened as well. You know, Jim Humble came to live with me and my family in Mexico in 2012. So I started to be more in the, the movement as well. Uh, and then other people came around, like I was telling you about Dr. Roby Mitchell, rest in peace, dear friend, uh, right. who brought yeah. me the, you know, the hydrochloric acid importance of black. So, so he was depositing things. And then, of course, Andreas Kalker, I met him for the Jim Humble in 2011. And he was working on a parasite protocol because his wife at the time was really affected by parasites. And he said, no, no, we're working on a protocol and you'll see it will really help your kids you're working with because the enemas that they're doing, they're passing parasites because they were doing enemas families were doing enemas, parasites were coming, well, these long things, we didn't know what they were. But as they were passing them, the kids were starting to talk. They were starting to lose their diagnosis. Again, the gut-brain connection. The more these things came out, the more that child recovered. This is what Dr. Wakefield was mildly suggesting might be a connection, gut and brain, and for which he got totally, you know. Annihilated. Annihilated, well, yeah. Um, So when did you discover enemas? 2011 March, one of the guys selling the chlorine dioxide to the Spaniard families that I was working with was Uh saying, oh, you should start doing enemas. So they, this one dad, Miguel, Miguel was his like code name in one of the, the, you know, the chats. And he was sending me video. He's like, look at this, look at this, look at this. And he's sending me these like long things, like on a plastic fork, like, look at this, what's coming out of this child. And then they're like, yeah, he told us to do enemas and this is how we're doing them. Like, Ooh, enemas. Ooh, I don't know. You know? Yeah. Most people really don't want to do that. But these kids who were doing the enemas that were getting the most of these stringy things out went from autistic to not autistic in like three, four, five months. Like it was, it was really impactful. Of course they were doing the oral dosing, but they were doing these enemas on a regular basis. And that's when that was like March, April, May. And then, then Jim says to me, you got to meet my friend, Andreas. So I contact Andreas Kalker, him and his wife at the time had a, a Skype call with me. And he was telling me, yeah, you know, these, these families that you're working with, they're these enemas, they're passing what are parasites. And I was like, those are parasites. You know, they're really long. It's like, yeah, yeah. Well, we're working on a protocol because the the wife had uh, parasitic issues. And he said, no, no, we're, you know, we've gone through all this stuff. Don't worry. Pretty soon there's going to be an answer for the parasites. So those were enemas with water, right? Chlorine dioxide and water. There's a few drops of chlorine dioxide in the water. Okay. We'll come back to that. So go ahead. 
So by the end of 2011, there was a parasite protocol that Andreas and Miriam had written. And uh-huh. it was basically a combination of things like mebendazole, which is a non-systemic parasite killer, also right. used for cancer treatments. Um, Pomoatopirantel, which is another good one, non-systemic, just kills them in the gut. Uh, Diatomaceous earth, castor oil, stone breaker for oxalates. So it was like a kind of a very well-balanced, and it was something that you pulsed. During full moon, out. During full moon, out. So we would do, you know, like 18 days on, 12 days off, this kind of thing. This is written down somewhere as a protocol. It's in my book at carryrivera.com. I'm going to have that healing the symptoms known as autism. Uh-huh. People could just email me. There's my email up here if anybody wants. I've been oh, yeah, good, good, happy good. to send it to them as well. And parasites are only part of the problem. So another thing is a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, parasites, you're that parasite person, and parasites cause autism. Well, parasites are the biggest pathogen of the pathogens and it's one you can see with your bare eyes so that's why people became kind of like fixated on the parasite but there was only one and of course parasites carry carry among them other Mm -hmm. pathogens like candida bacteria and heavy metals right so we did we did get rid of those with that and of course you know a lot of the people started to attack because enemas after 1971 or 72 when they came out with toxic products like miralax they stopped they stopped using enemas in hospitals and that went taken out of the merc manual and stuff exactly like turpentine and other things that actually are still wonderful but what what do you have to get rid of besides those parasites uh, bacteria, candida, virus, heavy metals, and they're all in a biofilm, and the biofilms are in the blood and the gut, blood in the guts. And CD, the chlorine dioxide does all that. CD is a gas, so it goes everywhere. It's not it's not restricted to the vein or the intestine. That's why people say, "Well, IV is better." Well, how would IV be better if it's a gas? It's going to just get into the vein and then go through the body. So why not just do oral and rectal? Right, exactly, and it's cheaper and more available. Oh my gosh, it's. Totally cheap. It's super cheap. That's why nobody wants you to have it because it pretty much fixes everything. Right. It must be really stressful to the rulers because they've already approved it for water treatment. So they just really would like to make it illegal and it, it must be so frustrating. I, I told you about the internet, uh, the universalantidote.com and this documentary that was created. And the term, the inter- the universal antidote was put on chlorine dioxide as a, as a label by NASA. And you know where those guys came from. So NASA in 1978 recognized that, that chlorine dioxide was pretty much able to get rid of all the stuff in their bio labs. So, you know, they don't want you to know about that because well, they must have gotten in trouble for saying that right well yeah they must have called it among themselves and of course there's always a whistleblower somewhere thankfully yeah yeah exactly so what stages did your son go through after those first drops well like i said i mean it was it was really noticeable and everybody at the clinic started doing it and then in the first four months so go august to the end of the year Mm-hmm. There were like 28 recoveries. Like people were sending me messages like a uh, uh, recovered girl and this one and that. Like they were recovering their kids, like literally wow. going to psychologists and recovering their kids. So what do you call a recovery? What does that mean? It means the child is, you know, no different than any other typical child of that age. Normal. Yeah. They look like everybody else. Wow. That's a major recovery. Well, yeah, and then they go on to have typical lives. They don't go on to be, you know. And so do their parents. Totally. 
but <laughs> totally. That's why I don't have people say, well, let me get in touch with some of your families. You know, once the person is recovered, they don't really hang out and like stay in touch with you. There are a few people that stay in touch with me, but for the most part, they go on with their life. Right. So what did you notice stages that your son went through as you went through the years of protocol? Sure. I mean, you know, then there's the point where like he could have a girlfriend. There's points where you can have like traveling with a child. Like before in the beginning, like before I ever had the chlorine, he would like take him to the grocery, run there and he run there. I'm, you know, trying to, where is he and shop at the same time? It was like really hectic. It was really, really hectic. And then one day he's just standing next to you by the shopping cart, you know? Right. This kind of stuff, or like if he wanted some chips with you know flavoring and coloring or something like that, I'd tell him no. There wouldn't be this ah to the floor, screaming, drooling, yelling, wow. nothing like that. You know, like that was over. It was like okay, it can't have that. You know, or I'd say like okay, when we get home, we're going to have this or something like that, and that would be fine because he understood and we were able to communicate these things together. Are there any parts of autism that the protocol can't do anything about? Well, what I want, what I believe, and again, this is, I'm just you know, going to say something I think because I cannot prove this, but I also think that some children have brain damage and Dr. Russell Blaylock, who is a neurosurgeon, he's a retired neurosurgeon, wrote many yeah. books back in the day. One of them is called Excitotoxin, The Taste That Kills. And it talks about glutamates. Glutamate is not only an MSG that's in Chinese food when you order from a carryout, but yeah. it's also naturally occurring in tomatoes and bananas and cauliflower, etc. So even foods that would be considered healthy foods, if you have a leaky gut, mm-hmm. these, these chemicals that naturally occur in foods can get into the brain and cause excitotoxic behavior. And what it does is it excites a neuron to death. So you're causing brain damage. So the question, Richard, is during the time we didn't know, we had all these bacteria and candida and parasites releasing neurotoxic material into the bloodstream, getting into the brain, as well as with certain foods that are high in glutamate, like gluten, casein, and these other things, how much brain damage was done to these children? So some kids, minimal damage because maybe their their barrier wasn't so porous. And maybe other kids just had like, you know, just a flood going into the bloodstream. And, you know, which chemicals, the, the question comes up right away too, which chemicals cause leaky gut? And certainly one of the most obvious is glyphosate, right? Glyphosate, because that's, that's how it kills insects. Glyphosate, uh, also vaccines, also antibiotics, also, you know, these kind of things. So they will also cause it. Right. Yeah. And antibiotics are a really widespread Real, problem. Yeah. I have some kids that actually the parents knew better than the vaccines were bad and they were doing rounds of ear infection antibiotics and the child yeah. ended up with autism. Wow. So wow. I, I've seen different types of things. Like I have another mom that I worked with and while she was pregnant with her son, she mm. knew that vaccines were bad. And uh, she was pregnant with her son and she was living in New York City. And so she would go to the local juice bar every day and have a green juice, but mm-hmm. it wasn't an organic green juice. So going to glyphosate and he's autistic. He was born like he was never really OK. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Vaccines are probably the main trigger, right, of autism, but there are contributing factors. There are always. And Dr. Mitchell, too, before uh, he passed away also, he said there's other there's other factors that can put a child um, at risk, like a mother over 27 has low, lower thyroid function. And one of the things that mothers give to the children is is thyroid hormone. We also give to our children hydrochloric acid from our stomach. And I don't really know how that all goes down, but this is from Dr. Mitchell. And it does it does hold true because most of the moms 
of the children with autism are either Hashimoto's or hypothyroid, real common in, mm. in, in our mm-hmm. group. And many of the children, like above 75% are born by cesarean section. So there's like lots mm. of little pieces for that perfect right. storm to occur. Because why right. aren't 100% of the vaccinated children autistic? Well, I mean, let's just take a you know, grab at that one. You know, a lot of the kids in the U.S. are eating glyphosate and they're getting vaccinated and they're not autistic. What happened? Yeah. So, well, there's so many variables and most of them are always unknown. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of these that we're talking about right now that are factors, I think. for Does the thyroid function improve at all with a good source of iodine? It can, but chlorine dioxide seems to turn around hypothyroidism. So I've had Hashimoto's wow, and hypothyroid turn around. It takes, about, it takes about four to six months because remember, the thyroid is a slow organ. So it's not like I'm going to take it for three weeks. You've got to right. consider like four to six months. Well, and there's millions of women right now who are hooked for life on prescriptions for low thyroid. So I wonder how many of them would get free of that if they went through this process. Probably all of them. Probably all of them, because every mom that I worked with, that a lot of my moms, like a lot of us, we took it at the same time as our kids. Like we did everything. This, a lot of moms do that. We take right. the same stuff. They take the iodine. They take the CD. They take, and um, the the majority of the moms that were like, I got hypothyroid, or I have Hashimoto's, and they did the protocols. They typically were able to regain their thyroid function and go completely without medicine. Well, so they went in for a test to see if their prescription should be the same, yeah. and they found out it should be less and less should and be less. like gone. Wow, wow. Yeah. And that was a few months. Uh, four to six. And the one of the moms, it was really noticeable because I would work with her. She was in uh, Egypt, and she had twins. Single mother, I don't know what happened to her, maybe died. Um, but she was a medical professional. She was a doctor of some sort. Don't know which uh, kind. Okay. okay. And I was working with her, and I would talk to her, and it was like she didn't understand. Now, hypothyroidism is really, you know, you ha- it's really, really compromises the mind of the person because they don't have good memory. They're not really comprehending, but it has everything to do with the thyroid. And so one day she texted me and she's like, Carrie, my Hashimoto's is gone. I was like, oh my gosh, that's going to help those children so much because it was really hard for her to like grasp it and keep it, you know? Yeah. And all these things are defined as incurable. Right. 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 Officially, including universal, autism. Of the universal antidotes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's uh. a blessing. It's a really a blessing. And I remember also, Richard, I have to say this. I remember when I was laying there on that bed that day, that God doesn't just love rich kids. So it could not be something like the cure for autism could not be stem cell treatments of $25,000 in Panama. Can't be, can't be. It just doesn't work that way. Like the answers are here. That's really interesting. Right? Yeah. Because God loves everybody. Right. Well, you know, whatever we call. And the potential of harmonizing with nature, you're kind of, calling into question the validity of the whole germ theory idea that you just ran into a germ and it wiped you out and there's nothing you can do. You're talking about terrain, right? Especially with things like um, Hashimoto's and normally with a specialization paradigm in medicine, you have a Hashimoto's specialist and an intestinal specialist. You know, and the intestinal specialist tells you, you know, when to cut out part of your intestine. And the other one tells you when to cut out your thyroid, you know, or have radiation treatment or something like that. And so it makes you start wondering if you heal the gut, how many things would that take care of? 
It's amazing. It's really amazing. Well, because almost every parent carries something at this point in time in, in the world. So, you know, it's like I'm taking with my child and I'm feeling like this, like this, or I haven't felt this great. And, you know, or my husband had, pro- oh, one mom, her husband got prostate cancer and he was a young man. He was in his 40s. And wow. she's like, I'm just going to put him on the drops. I'm like, try to get him to do enemas. No, I carry won't do enemas. He wouldn't do. Them. And he was, his PSA was normal range within six months. Wow. Like, cool stuff. Okay, and what? how much did he do? He only did the three drops eight times a day. He didn't even do and that's the weight. A, nothing complex at all? Nothing. And how long did he stay on that? Uh, six months. That was like a, a six-month period. And then the next time she told me, he's like, and I'm like, did you do enema? She said, no. So he just did it orally, and that's it? That was it. And he got over prostate cancer. Got over prostate And he was, he was young. He was in his 40s. See, isn't it interesting that we're not allowed to talk about that? No. That that's like should be shocking to people who haven't thought about those connections before because you have to go to the prostate specialist and then he gives you a you know uh, men that I've talked to he gives them a muscle relaxant because what happens that makes prostate uh enlargement intolerable is you can't urinate because the urethra goes through the prostate and when the prostate swells up, it closes it off. And so sometimes they prescribe a muscle relaxant to force it. You know, of course, it affects the entire body. And, it, you know, your normal function of your muscles all over your body is compromised. But they do that and they say, well, when this stops working, we'll just start the surgery. I mean, it's a really different approach. And the it, it makes you wonder, at least for me, all right, if if all he did change one variable in his life, which makes it much more interesting than if you do 10 different things and you can't tell which one did what. You know, he he took three drops eight times a day and his prostate cancer went away. So if somebody asked you to explain why, what would you say? Wasn't his time. Well, that I think that's true, but there's also a mechanism that was happening. There's some connection between the chlorine dioxide getting into the system and the cancer. And I've seen before they censored all the testimonials off YouTube and other places, I saw a lot of testimonials on cancer yeah. of, of many kinds, breast cancer, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And Nobody was really talking about why very much. They must have theories about it, though. And I wonder what the most common explanation is. Have you heard anything interesting about that? No. I've just, all I can say is I just know with chlorine dioxide, there's never been something that surprises me anymore. You know, people saying their arthritis went away, people saying, yeah, cancer and... Um, Hundreds and- of cancer cases, I read. And oh. they weren't, and they weren't yeah. fake. And no. they didn't know each other. And right. they were in different parts of the world. And of course, the governments and the uh, medical industry didn't want to investigate it at all, which is just, most people would be shocked to actually realize that i have to tell you something so when um back in the day when i had my clinic i went to i I was going to open a clinic 
And I was in San Diego, California, and the man who started everything as biomedical intervention for autism was Dr. Bernard Rimland. He was a retired naval psychiatrist. And you have to say what that means, biomedical intervention for autism, like what? Like magnesium and B6 and, you know, doing these things and, and, and the gluten-free diet and this kind of stuff. So okay. he's like the grand godfather of this concept. Is he wrote a book in 1964 called Infantile Autism. Dr. Bernard Rimland. His son was born, and actually the movie Rain Man is based on his son. And Rain Man, he was actually uh, one of the executive producers on Rain Man. Wow. So, okay. so Dr. Rimland, 1970, he retires from the Navy. He's in San Diego, and they have three kids, and one of them is uh, Asperger's, actually, autism spectrum Asperger's. Right. And so his, you know, he writes this book in 1964. says, you know, my, if it's a refrigerator mother, my wife has three children. Two are perfectly fine. One's not okay. She loves all three the same. So what happened? Something's right. wrong. Right. So people started sending him letters from all over the world. Oh, Omega's help, uh, gluten-free, uh, B6, magnesium, do the... So they started to share. And so he opened a, a, a small little corner place in San Diego, California, called the research, the Autism Research Institute. So when I, my son was first diagnosed, again, knowing very little internet, very little information, but right. on his website, you could go there, autism.com, uh-huh. and that's where I went for a lot of information. I would just read every day. I would read files and documents and everything. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, I'm doing hyperbarics in San Diego with my son. He's five and a half. It's January 2006. I'm there for three yeah. weeks to do hyperbarics. And one day I go into the center and the man who creates these chambers, his name was Bob Sands. And I, I said, oh, San Diego, this is where Dr. Rimlin lives. And this is where autism. Mm-hmm. He's like, Bernie, Bernie's a great friend of mine. I'm like, you know, Bernie. And he's just like, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, Bernie's great guy. I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, it was like, you know, maybe. Mick Jagger might have been, you know, back in the sixties or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, he comes and this is he was a very unique Australian character who created a hyperbaric chamber. So you had an industry there, and he comes with his his uh, his E type Jag one morning. He says, "Tomorrow, you and I are going to lunch with Bernie." And I was like, "I'm a good Bernie," <laughs> because for me, he represented everything that was possible. It was the hope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I go to Marshall's, which is a, you know, name brands for less. So I go there and I get myself a suit. There's actually a picture of me on the internet and this, I'm wearing a suit. I'm like, look, like I'm going to a funeral, but I was so excited. I didn't know what to do. Right. So, I, so the next day I literally found like, you know, people to watch my kids. And we go to this lunch with Dr. Rimlin and his wife, Gloria. And I'm super out of my element. I just know like I want to help. And I was already helping families, you know, just kind of like bringing people kind of off the street into my house at that point, you know, like, yeah, yeah. No, just to get come to my house, I'll give you whatever I got. And you got to start this diet. I'm writing it by hand and kind of started like that. And then, um, and I talked to Bob before we got there and I said, Bob, what am I going to say? I don't really know what to say. He said, when Bernie asks you something, say, how can I help Dan? So Dan was a movement called Defeat Autism Now. Mm-hmm. And so Dr. Rimland had created like a team of biomedical people. So they were doctors and scientists in the field that were seeing labs from children with autism were different. They were also noticing that when they treat them with like chelators and B12 and certain dietary interventions and supplements, they were getting better. Some were recovering. Okay. They were realizing there was a problem with vaccines. 
uh, toxicity, glyphosate, everything. So that was already uh, kind of on the table in 2005, 2006, when I show up with Dr. Rimland and his wife. So, you know, I'm again, just kind of like, you know, eating and how's your food? And then uh, it kind of comes down to what I just said. And I said, you know, how can I help? I have this, I'm this mom, I help families in my area, but I don't really know. He says, you can translate the protocol because I told him I spoke Spanish and I lived in Mexico. And he says, you can translate the protocol into Spanish and you can take it to Latin America. Mm-hmm. Like my little brain never lost left my neighborhood. I was like, ah, just the people I'm picking up up on the street, kind of basically is who I was helping. Right. And then I thought to myself, well, yeah, you know, actually, because there was very little information at that point still on the internet and not in Spanish. And, you know, pages now translate automatically. You used to have to run stuff through translators and they were not like, you know, you didn't have a Google translate then, you know, for example. Right. So, so I was like, wow. So then, you know, got, I got the book, the, the protocol translated. And, you know, at that point, I learned a lot. But I also, when I talked to Dr. Rimlin, he said, you know, if you want, because I told him I was helping people, he said, if you want, you can start going to the conferences. I will, you know, I'll send you that you don't have to pay the, that time. Conferences were really expensive. So the airplane ticket and the hotel and the conference, it was very expensive. And they would give you like right. books of stuff too, you know, that was yeah. they still printing. Now they just give you a cheap old disc. Um, so I would go to some of these conferences. And so I asked permission if I could be trained as a Dan, a Dan physician, a Dan clinician, because mm-hmm. they were training home, homeopathic and natural paths and doctors and different you know walks of life right so they said yes so i started to go to these doctor trainings or these clinician trainings and i started to see you know what worked what didn't work what these doctors were saying what they were saying that was frightening you know about how they kind of see us basically i was sort of like you know the fly in the room right and right. then um and then i went to, then i thought to myself oh i should go to school i wanted to sign into to natural school which is seven year degree and i was like ah Seven years is a long time. And then I, I, I settled on, on homeopathy because the cease therapy had a lot of promise at the time. It was a, a way of detoxing vaccines. It was mm. created by Dr. Tynus Smits, and he was from the Netherlands. Unfortunately, he passed away about 2010. But he did have a lot of recoveries with his protocol. And now what I found after I went three years to school for homeopathy, and of course, chlorine dioxide came to me kind of around the time I signed into school. So I was kind of like going to sign myself out after about a year. And then they're like, no, no, just stay with us. You know, my class, they were really nice right. group of gals. Um, so I ended up sp- doing the three years. But what I did uh, understand was, you know, when, when Hanneman lived, which was like the 1830s, 40s, 50s, basically, by the time he died, right. it was a totally different time. So homeopathy is such a... It's such a fine essence of something that if you have kind of like what I could, I would imagine it to be like, like a rock concert in the body and like, like all this kind of static and, 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 and distortion. Mm -hmm. So when you throw in this like lovely little, like whatever you wanted it to be, I don't care. It it still is not going to work like it would have worked 150 years prior. Well, it's barely physical at all. So if you have all that distortion, you're not going to get the same results. And that's why I feel like classical homeopathy doesn't work for autism. And then when I started to see this cease therapy, which I was really excited about at the time, because Tyna Smith had done really great stuff. He also had batch numbers from his area. And there was a lot of different things happening in the Netherlands that are happening like in the US and the rest of the world. And then as I started to meet other families that had done mostly everything I'd done, didn't have results either. And again, Mm -hmm. chlorine redoxa was by the time I graduated, there were, I don't know, 500, 600 recoveries, you know? So it was like, what am I going to do? Give up what works and just go over in here to this? And I said, don't forget it. So I never actually practiced homeopathy, even though I'm okay. a homeopath. You talked about cancer and uh, a lot of other conditions. 
I remember I was asking you about diabetes. What have you type heard? Type one or type that? two? Well, type one, I've never heard anything of recovery from it. That, that doesn't mean it's not possible. I'm just, and I'm right. not even, but I've never seen it and I've never heard it. But type two is not difficult. That's, you know, have you heard of type one? Have you heard of type one failures? I've never heard of anybody recovered with anything in the alternative health world from type one. There's that, but that one, there's, it's not possible. there's one that I know of that did. And what he did is, you know about Dr. Gabriel Cousins, right? Now, he's famous for writing a book called There is a Cure for Diabetes, which is a radical thing to say because officially there is not. And he put people on juice fasts and raw food for a number of weeks and cured almost all of them. Wow. And, type and, one? Type no, one? no. Uh, and he was two, not working. That. He was not working with type one, but somebody with type one got into one of those groups. I don't know how. And it was, I think, a young man. And wow. um, I don't know whether they knew that he had type one or not, but he followed the protocol and he was totally cured. And he he was, it doesn't mean it would happen to other people, but it right. did happen. And he was so excited that he decided to become a naturopath and do it with other people. And he's practicing in Washington, D.C. now. Wow, very cool. Because type one, I'm, I mean, type two, I've heard of recoveries in type two because yeah, that's, that's a lifestyle but thing. Now, but now have they recovered with type two? Just by taking chlorine dioxide, or did they have to change their lifestyle too? I think they have to change their diet. I've never heard of anybody not changing their diet and having recovery. But you heard of somebody with prostate cancer not changing their diet right. and, and recovering. Absolutely. So just makes me wonder what the possibilities might be. I would always just try. I mean, the, the same thing. Like there's a, yeah, I had a lady yesterday, and she's got one kid with uh, autism spectrum, and the other, the twins have like, Sprangler disease or so I, it's like a connective tissue disease but you know you say to yourself you know there's like you know like a hundred people in the world with it a thousand or a hundred thousand I don't know there's a very small amount of people in the world with it right, like right. probably nobody's ever tried chlorine dioxide with it so why not like it cannot hurt them for sure well that's the main key is something that's harmless do no harm first yes that's a really big deal that would wipe out the almost entire medical industry now so what about the age of kids that can be done with it? Like the autistic kids, how, how young can it be done? Like what if they're damaged when they're three months old? Can you well, do anything? Yeah, sure. Because a lot of the times, not a lot of the times, but there's been many occasions that a mother is just pregnant and the two-year-old child is just getting diagnosed with autism. Okay. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. Oh my gosh, my child's diagnosed. Well, so I didn't that, know they could do that. They do, they do that before the t- child is born? No, no, no. The, the, the mother will go into the um, autism diagnosis meeting for the uh-huh. two-year-old child, and she's actually with child as well. So now second child's on the way. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. So I've had that happen and then start working with that family with the two-year-old child. Baby's born and you say, okay, you know, absolutely. While you're, while you're pregnant, while you're nursing, no gluten, no casein, watch your diet. And then, um, and then when the child does go on formula, no wheat, no dairy, 
And you definitely want to be using, like if you're going to use a formula, use something called Neocate. It's a, it's a vegan, non-soy-based uh, uh, formula for these kids. And so there's been two cases that I can actually recall specifically. And at six months, the one little girl stopped making eye contact, stopped pointing. Okay. And they're like, oh my gosh, we're freaking out, you know, because their son was almost recovered by this time. And the little girl's now all of a sudden like losing stuff she was getting. So right. they started with the dosing based on weight. Again, we, you know, breaking those drops up. At six, at six months old. At six months old, because you're just, it's all based on weight. It's not based on age. So there's not a lower age where it becomes dangerous. No, if, even a two month old. As long as you go proportionally by weight. By weight. It's by weight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And like these little mini enemas, they're just like a bulb. Parasites were coming yeah. out. Parasites were coming out. Um, wow. Both of the children wow. that like literally started having symptoms. And of course, the parents that were aware of them, like they might have missed it if it was the first child, but this is now the second child on two different occasions. One lost stuff starting at six months and one lost stuff starting at nine months. And within four to six months, those children were completely on track completely back you know wow. they, we, we we just we grabbed them back and were the parents like you said before with the other parents were the parents doing it at the same time as the kids uh, the one mom was yes and the other family was not three drops eight times a day no 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 it was based on weight and, and of course no for the parent and mostly we'd start with one drop and go up. So the days of three drops eight times a day for me are long gone. I don't even work oh, on really? those premises. Yeah, I work off of, you know, a 16-ounce bottle. You put in one drop and you finish it over the day. And then, you know, every 45 you talk, minutes you could... talking about for an adult too? For anybody. Yeah, anybody. Any, anybody. Okay, this is really important. Say that again. So... The best way, it doesn't matter what your diagnosis is, if yeah. you have a 16-ounce bottle, every 45 minutes, you can take a swig. You can take an ounce you know, of this. And um, every 45 minutes, uh, the chlorine dioxide is finished. So pretty much every 45 minutes, you can replace it. You replace bottle. it in the same bottle in the water. No, no, no. The bottle stays the same. The bottle's good for about 72 hours with chlorine dioxide in it, and it's closed. So what are you saying you replace? In your body. It's gone. It's done. It's over. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. But it stays okay in the water. Oh, yeah, yeah. Up to 72 hours. So in the water, you've got 16 ounces and how many drops? Well, start with one and then work up. And then if, as long as you're comfortable and you don't have any reactions, then you go up. Do you go up to three or what? Um, I had a lady, uh, for example, Lyme disease, doing really well, felt great at 72 drops in her 16 doses a day. Depends. So there's not, not really a general rule for that. That's why I went away from those, like, you know, this is a protocol, A, B, C, 1,000, 2,000. I mean, yeah, kind of. Well, one of the things in Jim Humble's book is it says it really is much better to mix it yourself every hour. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? I would like to see where that came from people just, it makes no sense people it read it or hear it and they start repeating it as true i know no i know richard i mean i want to i want almost like clawing the walls when i hear this because a lot of people read those things and but uh, where did that come from i think if the you, reason it sounds reasonable is that the compounds are are very um uh you know, they, they give off the gas and people think that it's going to be lost. But if it's sealed. How is it getting out? And if it's refrigerated and it's cool, the gas stays in the water even better. 
Like if you're in a hot environment and you have a big mouth, like this is a big mouth, for example, they have right. some that just have a little, little teeny opening. Those are even better. But even so, it doesn't really make a difference. But I did a test before I wrote my first book of one bottle like that. I opened it. I poured out a dose. And I, there's, there's these uh, chlorine dioxide test strips that ma- they're made by a company called Lamotte. Okay. And I would stick it in my ounce and it would come up 3,000 parts per million. And I did this. We did this day one, day two, day three, up to 72 hours. That bottle is still 3,000 parts per million. So I cannot understand about this fresh thing. Well, maybe they think they have this picture that chlorine compounds evaporate and they're very volatile. If you left it in a glass, that would be true. That would, would be it? literally, yeah. So for instance, there's a protocol that you put like 13 drops in a glass, you know, activate it and you just leave it on a shelf. If you have like a little bit of a throat thing or a little bit yeah, of a yeah. lung thing, right. or you want to kill some mold in the room or something like that. But mm. in the morning, it's totally clear. I mean, it's water. It's not, it's gone. A little salt. Okay. Little so salt if you crystal. leave it open, then it's a valid issue. Well, then it's gone. Yeah. But you would never do that. Wow. This, that's really important detail, you know? Right. That's why this is really a, this is a really great method, this, uh, this baby bottle method. And that was really what I brought to it, because when you're working with people that are, you know, maybe 30 pounds, 11, 12 kilos, you cannot right. start with a full drop. That's way too much. So you have to start with one sixteenth of a drop. Wow. Or sick adults. Is there, chronic is there a simple protocol like what you found to be most accurate written anywhere? Yeah, I mean, my book has got it written, but but like, get the bottle, start with one drop, okay. next day two drops, next day three drops, and go up like that. And and the lady that you just mentioned that used seventy two drops. A lady did, she had Lyme. Uh-huh. Did did Lyme disease? You said she had Lyme, right? Okay, and and did she just start with one drop and one go drop. Up really slow? Absolutely. How long did it take to get up that high? Seventy two days. One. So drop every, every day, day she did one drop more. Right. Did she, she finish noticed, the, She finished a 16-ounce bottle every day. Every day. And you, okay. she noticed that when she was at 71, she didn't feel as good at 72. And at 73, she was tired. Like it, wow. was, a, it was almost like a Herxheimer reaction. But at 72, her energy was good. And the pathogens were really under control. And then how long did she stay on 72? Maybe a year and a half. The, you know, this is such important information. And this is specifically the what we're most prohibited from talking about specifics. That's why I can't write another book about it. I mean, it, it's really it's, it breaks my heart, Richard. But I just see like my life would be unbelievably difficult if, in fact, I were to write a book about it. Yeah. So yeah. I just have to kind of keep talking and not stop talking. So in a way, I mean. You said she had Lyme disease. Was is there? Do you think there's any connection there to vaccine damage with Lyme disease? And before you answer, let me tell you: Do you know about the Control Group Project? You mean uh, from Lyme Island? No, no, that was the government thing. Yeah. I'm talking about the private project by Joy Garner. No, I don't know that. This either. is really important, and this we can use this, even though. You know, we're public right now. We can use it to share important information. And um, Joy Garner said, let's find out what the extent of vaccine damage really is, not just in one disease, but in a lot of them, because we've got all what the CDC calls normal is the incidence of every disease across the population. CDC has all those figures and the doctors, most of them that don't think, say, 
well, this is normal for your age. You're just going to get worse and worse. And then you're going to get tortured and die. And that's, that's normal aging. And that's what they call normal. But Joy said, that's the vaccinated group for the most part. What would a control group, you know, the untreated group look like oh, yeah, yeah, right. with absolutely no vaccines for life? And she did a survey all over the U.S. and got thousands of responses of the few remaining people that are totally unvaccinated that they're trying to eliminate right now. And, that you know, for example, with heart disease, which you wouldn't um, associate it was almost non-existent in uh, unvaccinated people. And it was 48% in some form in the general population. With diabetes, you can guess what the reduction would be. And this is with junk food, eating all kinds of stuff, who knows what. There was zero diabetes in the unvaccinated people. I don't know what it was for Lyme disease, but it's in the report. And big deal. One of the things that's interesting about autism is they will test positive. Like you're doing tests for Lyme. Most of the kids with autism will test positive for Lyme, even if they've never lived in an area with that type of a tick. So, so, the, so the test for Lyme, is that a test for a specific parasite presence? Yeah, it is. It's the one that, ca- that, uh, that carries Lyme. And I think it's, I forget the name of it. Not yeah. Rocky Mountain spotted. I forget the name of it, but it, the one that is for Lyme, it's not it's, everywhere in the world. So it's present in most of the autistic kids. Like 90% of the kids would test positive that have, internationally speaking, and again, there's wow. areas of the world that don't have that type of tick. So even without the tick, if the kid has autism, they usually test positive for Lyme. If you get a good test, yes. This is really interesting. <laughs> You know, yeah. because well, doctor, what we're trying to do is put together a theory of how health and disease work. Well, Dr. Klinghardt said uh, several years back, he said that in the next years, which would be right now, 90% yeah. of the kids with autism will have Lyme. And I believe it's like a perfect storm. You know, and I also, since I've been in autism for the last 18 years, autism has changed a lot. So the kids back in the day, they were really indifferent. They were just really indifferent. Like they were in their own world. They were just kind of hanging out. They were doing their thing. And now the kids are intense. It's a totally different autism. There's 72 vaccines before the age of two. Back in my son's day, there were 42 vaccines before the age of two. And the kids with autism today are almost all uh, over the top. Like they're not indifferent. They're like... They're here, they're everywhere, they're difficult, they're tantruming. There was, there's a, and the contributing shape. factors are different too. I mean, originally, I don't think there was any glyphosate around. Right, right. Well, right, sure. and, and other things like that. Right. Who right. Knows and, what? And also, for example, my group of people in, from Venezuela, this is really interesting. Yeah. So, Venezuela really doesn't have much glyphosate, you know, because they didn't really get along with the U.S., so they weren't able, really, Monsanto wasn't really able to get into Venezuela. And okay. the kids there didn't need a necessarily healthy diet. There was a lot of arepa, which is made of corn, very processed, lots of beans, lots of rice, you know, lots of high carb, starchy diets. And we had a lot of recoveries. Like in one six month period, I think we had 40 or 50 kids recover in that one that one period of time of that thousand families that came that we were working with or 500, I don't know how many, but there was a lot of recoveries. 
but I think it had to do, like you were saying, with the glyphosate. So, yeah, maybe they had vaccines, maybe not as many vaccines because they, the, the vaccine manufacturers were not as strong in Venezuela. You know, Venezuela is not really open to the Western world, which I think benefited Venezuela a great deal. Yeah, they've been somewhat protected, right? Somewhat protected, exactly. From they the were poison. victimized by the local com- domestic communists in their own country. But, but less not, autism. Wow, wow. Okay, so... This was a little diversion that took us, you know, virtually the whole show. But what you were trying to do before I interrupted you was say what has changed since you put all the information in your 2014 book. I think, well, what has changed, which has been really cool, is that during the COVID times, Andreas Kalker got into uh, Latin America (sighs) and got them to make chlorine dioxide solution and Bolivia was the first country to actually write it into their law books that they are allowed to give it and use it for the treatment of this pandemic. And right. they literally gave away two Olympic swimming pools of the solution. And it's in their legal workings now. And so many other Latin American countries are using, selling, moving chlorine dioxide for pretty much everything. There's even doctors. There's seven, more than 7,000 doctors in Latin America that are using and promoting the use of chlorine dioxide. And they're using that form of it? They use different forms, but some use the, the, the straight up drops. Some use the chlorine dioxide solution. It kind of depends. Older people, you know, older, older people, you know, older, like over 50, over 60. Yeah. The, the, the gas is better because they seem to do better with the gas. But I still, um, I'm a little bit of a purist like Jim Humble about the chlorine dioxide. Itself. You like the, drop the drops. Plus. They have a longer life. They can go deeper into the body. Um, the, the other one is not, it's very short acting. Okay. So I really prefer the chlorine dioxide just because uh, when you're treating chronic illness, I'd rather see somebody taking 10 drops a day, but tolerating it and getting better than taking something else. Okay. And in a way, all that you've been talking about suggests that to a great extent, what you're doing is a system of treating vaccine damage. Would you say that's uh, accurate? Well, especially when I'm working with with autism, because now I work with kind of everybody. Damage from other things, too, like glyphosate or contributing factors, but mainly vaccine damage. Now, what if someday, since we're talking about forbidden things anyway, might as well mm-hmm. totally mess it up here. Uh, what if someday somebody invented a vaccine that they put a mechanism in to permanently corrupt your DNA? And beyond that, they put in some basic uh, components that looked electrical that could pick up uh, external EMF charges and things like that. Is there anything that chlorine dioxide could do if those people were injected with something like that? I would go with, first of all, I believe so. I would go with, you have nothing to lose. Start with the drop, get your bottle and work up and see, and then go get tested and see. This is so different. There's no risk from the treatment. No, because you're oxygenating your blood. You're killing right. whatever bugs you got. We all have bugs, you know, bugs, right. bugs. So you're getting rid of your bugs. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I feel better. So you just find out in each case. The other thing that you missed in your protocol with the 16-ounce bottle is what if a person's open to doing enemas at the same time? Oh, even better. Two liters, 20 drops. 
Two liter, yeah. They're those red. All those bags kind of are two rubber liter. bags yeah, are about two, two fourths, two liters. They're two liters exactly. So you can even use a steel enema bucket. People ask about that. You know the yeah, CD- but m- most people don't have those though. Well, I actually work with a lot of people that actually already had the steel enema, and they're always oh, like, really? oh, can I use my steel enema bucket? Yeah, a lot of people have them, actually. And so you can use pretty much anything. How many drops per two quarts? Um, it's, it's one drop per 100 milliliters, so just depending on how many milliliters. So if you're, if you're going to do you know, one liter, 10 drops. Two liters, 20 drops. 10 drops per liter. Yeah, or or one pro- drop per pro- 100 mils. Approximately 10 drops per quart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A quart's about a liter. Is a quart a little bit more? I think it's a little bit more. I'm not so good with those anymore. I right. expat for too long. I'm not so good with my quarts. Right, 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 right. I'm still on the pat side. Um, Sorry. Okay, but you, yeah, I know. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. There's really nowhere to go anymore, so it's my I know. I, personally, I would like to see America recover. You know, it, it had this great idea about individual freedom originally. They used to write that down. Yeah. And um, freedom of speech and stuff, I think, would be a good idea to try. We grew up in a different time, though. I also think, you know, my mom and, and, and I'm 56. My mother's 79. And yeah. you know, we talked the other day, like, I'm really glad that I grew up in America in the time that I did because there wasn't this insanity. And you and I can talk about this, too. Like, they, they get so worked up on racism. I grew up in the inner city in a major city. Right. We were every, you know, was, I went to public school and we were... Like, it was like 70 people in my graduating class, and we were every color. Every, I mean, right. one of my dear friends, she was a Christian scientist. Another lady, right. you know, Anju Nanjap. I mean, we had, it didn't matter. And you yeah, liked no, people it, because it, they were nice people. You didn't like them because of mm, anything else. It didn't exist. I mean, racism is one of those ideas that's so stupid that you can't imagine anybody would ever fall for it. Why, you know, these are our costumes. We're not physical beings. We're living in these temporarily. So why would you ever hold that against somebody? That makes no sense. Or like somebody just because they are Catholic no, or, or think that white or... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, of course, that was one of the really cool things about growing up back then. Like we appreciated our differences, yet we were really liking each other because, we, you know, because of who we were. It was automatic. So, in other words, kind of the cure for the whole insanity thing that we're dealing with now is get the consciousness back, and maybe more than even we had then. Who knows what the potential is? Right, exactly. And to not like somebody doesn't mean, oh, if it's a white person because my skin is white that I like them. Not necessarily. (laughs) There's a lot of people I run into I don't like. So You know, I don't know. This is just my observation, but I've never seen a white or a black person in my life. I mean, you know, snow white or charcoal black. Right, right, right. But all these different shades and everybody seems to be a slightly different color. So the idea of separating black and white, I mean, that's a semantics thing to me. Yes, my dear friend, it is, it's an upside down world and, and it was never like that. So the, it, the U.S. was a great melting pot. And I think one of the things that we did best was meld together. And, you know, we were always for the cause, whatever yeah. the cause was, but together in the cause. You know, when they made the United Nations, which was part of a whole nefarious agenda, yes. they sold it as diff- people from different countries getting along together, mm-hmm. cooperating. And I still think that's a great idea. 
Love it. You know, because we're the same. It goes back. I've never seen a parent and I've worked with families in 77 countries. I have never seen it. We're all the same. We're our, our hearts are bleeding. Our children are sick. We're crushed. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to help each other. What's the difference? There's no difference. What kind of work are you doing with people now? Same as I've always been doing. I work with families one-on-one. So you do that online or how do you do it? Yes. They can't all find you physically. No, I don't see anybody physically. That's too risky. I don't do that at all. Actually, yeah, I forgot. You're right. No, they started with the death threats in 2012, 2013. So then I just closed my clinic because it was too risky to do that. Right, right. Exactly. Um, So, okay, let's go into what you do online and just say what, what you're offering people. Yeah, when people, they, they contact me, usually my email, they contact me, and then we talk about, you know, hey, can I help them, can I not help them? And then right. um, and then when we decide that I can, then I will um, actually sit down and, you know, map something out, because everybody has different needs, even if it's a child with autism. They have, like, for instance, today, I would talk to the family, and the child's in school for, like, six hours a day. So how right. do you get all those doses in? So I, I'm able to work around those kind of things. So do you have meetings with them on Zoom or something like that? Right. Right. Every, everything is a video internet type of thing. Okay. And what about, did you decide to not do um, the website stuff so much? Or are you still totally doing that too? Yeah, I'm doing everything kind of. CarrieRivera.com. And what's on there? Um, books are on there and, um, you know, consult button. And then I have a program on brighteon.com, brighteon.tv, Carrie, it's Champions okay. with Carrie Rivera. So I'm interviewing really cool people like yourself and people that I admire and people I want other people to hear more from. Right. And so I'm doing that as well, just kind of branching out a little bit because my last 18 years of life and the last 12 most certainly have brought a lot of really interesting people to to me. Right. And they've been people that have been pivotal, um, and, you know, present company included in making thoughts that I have or, you know, creating direction that helps. How often is the show? It's every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern. A.m. Eastern. It's and called brighteon.tv. And what's the, what's the URL that they go to to watch it? Brighteon.tv. It's live. Slash Carrie Rivera or something? No, like TV. Click, and it takes you to the live. It has like a this big right, arrow, but, and you just click but, on it. But what if they miss the live show? Oh, then they can go to Brighteon.com, and that's where the, the show is archived. And that is called yeah. Champions with Carrie Rivera. Okay, Brighteon.com. Champions. Yeah, if you just put in Carrie Rivera, you'll pick up like lots of videos of mine that are in Brighteon, but okay. not necessarily the show. Okay, that's great. So what do you want to say to people in closing to just kind of wrap it up? Because we said a lot of stuff. And what do you want them to hold in their minds to remember? I think the most important thing is that pretty much everything is possible because I believe everything is here. We just have to look for the solutions. And if anybody wants to start something now, I know a lot of people are financially struggling. So you can go online, you can get your chlorine dioxide, buy yourself a 16 ounce glass bottle with a nice plastic top. Like I showed you several times today, put your one drop in, sip, 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 sip. Next day, two drops in, sip, 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 sip. Just finish it between the time you wake up and the time you go to bed and then just work your way up. And people say, yeah, but I can drink that all in one sip. 
You can, but that's not the idea. The idea is to work up slowly. And so whatever you have, if you have nothing, great. If you have something also, and you can get up to maybe between 50 and 70 drops, depending on your age, weight, and an issue. How do you know how long to keep doing that? Till you feel great. Is there ever an issue with um, having it destroy bacteria that you don't want to lose? Nope, because it's a positively charged molecule, so it knows better. It See, that's, a re- that's a really big deal. It's a huge deal. That's why yeah. the kids don't ever get sick. They get better. People, yeah. people who question that say, look, a chemical doesn't know what you think is a good or a bad it's bacteria. It's positively charged. So if you understand magnetism, it's real simple. It's not about knowledge from the, from the chemical right. compound. And if it wasn't true, you'd be having digestive problems all the time drinking. You'd have dead kids eventually. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're working with a 20-pound child, that child yeah. wouldn't make it if you're giving them really, truly bleach. Not bleach. Right, or anything to kill all the gut bacteria, which is the issue with uh, antibiotics. Well, I mean, the, the state of some of the children that I see, there's one little girl that I worked with years ago, and she came to me and her mother said, you know, besides all the vaccines that she gave her, 40 rounds of antibiotics before she was five. The child, in all practical purpose, had a severe, I mean, this was beyond autism. I don't, I don't know the word that's politically correct to say, so I'm not going to say it, but the child was like, not even here. I mean, it was really destroyed this child was barely, so barely alive basically yeah i mean the 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 brain function just i don't know i mean i, so I don't the, know what what happened to that poor child i think i think the the power structure that is trying to control us it thinks it's really important that we don't ever realize the gut brain connection that's yeah. one of the most punished things there is we have more neurons in our guts than we have in our head right Right. That's amazing. And it's got an instant effect on the brain. Yes, sir. I mean, if we had an honest medical system, they would be studying that instantly. Within a few weeks, they'd be telling people what to do. So I just feel really, you know, privileged and honored to get to talk to you. So thank you. The same, the same. You're an amazing person. And I really also, the last talk that I had with you, and I hope people will find our interview, I was really changed. And like I said to you afterwards, it, it's now I'm more aware and I try to calm the, the, the noisy chatter in my head, this child that just jabbers on all day long. Yeah. And you gave me some tools and I think people really have so much to learn from you while you're the, the whole you're key amazing. The whole key is using that stuff. And it's like chlorine. It takes some work. It yeah. takes some work. We're but not gonna lie. It's not expensive. Right. You know, it's like because God doesn't just love rich kids, remember? Right. <laughs> and and also the th- who who was it that said uh, one of the Greek doctors, um physician heal thyself. You know, that really applies to consciousness because if you're trying to heal the world on the consciousness and mentality and emotional state, no matter what brilliant stuff you say, you've got to do it yourself. Right. And then in almost anything you say would work after that. So I hope you'll come back before too long, too. Whenever I'm invited, I'll be back. Thank you, Richard, so wonderful. much. I appreciate it. Hold on, and we'll say goodbye in the break here. Absolutely. Okay. Wow, that was intense, and in a very good way, I think. In bright light, as Carrie would call it. That was Carrie Rivera, who's made an incredible contribution to the world of healing from 
particularly autism, but a lot of other things, which the system obviously doesn't appreciate that much since they want her shut down and demonized. And uh, I had told her several times that I saw shows of her, uh, shows about her on Canadian television and probably others saying that she led a cult that believed in the sacrament of pouring bleach on their babies, which is not exactly what she's doing. So, um, as much as anything, it, it lets you know what kind of an environment we're living in, where almost all of our countries have been taken over and the power positions infiltrated by people that don't have our best interests in mind. I think you could say that much. And different levels of awareness, and mostly there are levels within the power structure that are just following orders, which we've heard in other places. Uh, but anyway, I would recommend people who are interested to stay in touch via her website, com, And she even gave out her email on the show, which uh, was generous of her. It's Carrie, that's K-E-R-R-I, at Rivera R-I-V-E-R-A dot com. And um, let's see, there was another site I was supposed to tell you about. What was it? Um, anyway, I think that'll lead to all the others and uh, probably to sources and things like that that she couldn't talk about on the show. Um, what she's doing is an indication of the kind of real uh, health research that should be going on with funding. And if it was, as you can imagine, I think probably 90% of the so-called health industry would be gone or the medical industry would be gone within a year or something like that. And doctors would become teachers of how to use harmless medicine like CD. You know, CD is a medicine. It's not, it's not a food. It doesn't grow in the garden or on a tree. But it's incredibly valuable, and it reminds you that uh, Hippocrates, the old Greek doctor, whenever it was, 2,500 years ago or something, uh, said, the first thing, if you want to be a doctor or help yourself or help other people, is don't hurt anybody. Don't do any harm. Do no harm. And consider your food to be medicine. You know, that means don't eat poison. It's really important. Uh, safety tip, as Egon would have said. Remember, don't eat any poison. That means anything with GMO ingredients is inedible and should never be considered as food. And actually, anything with ingredients that are grown with poison is not brilliant to eat, no matter how convenient it might be. Organic is the bare minimum. And I'm not trying to make life you know, impossibly inconvenient for anybody, but just it's good to know the truth. And then when you decide what to put in your body or uh, put in the bodies of your kids or your spouse or anybody like that, you'll do it knowingly and you won't eat poison by mistake. If if food has ingredients in it, like it comes in a box and it's processed, it's not as good as food that comes out of nature. And if it is processed, read the ingredients. And if it's got chemicals that you don't understand, uh, it might not be too good to consider that as food. And chlorine dioxide is not one of those foods, but it's it's a medicine. Apparently, like Hippocrates would have approved, 
uh, back when he was being a doctor and a teacher because it doesn't hurt anybody. You know, real the idea of poisonous chemicals which can hurt or kill you and they're known to do that and thinking of them as medicine, that's bizarre. You know, what happened to us? You know, how come we don't have common sense and direct perception of what's obviously true or not true? We can get it back. As long as we're alive, we can still recover. And we can actually be sane again. And I think it's a good thing to do, especially right now. It would be a good contribution to the world, the future of the world for not just the kids, but for ourselves and the generations that aren't born yet. And if you have to use medicine, because we're in an imperfect world with breathing all kinds of malevolent garbage from chemtrails and uh, poison in the food and water that's there on purpose, you know, the people who are part of that industry should, you know, become whistleblowers or quit because you don't take money to kill people. That's not, if you're in that profession, you might consider changing jobs. It's not, even if you don't care about anybody else, it's not good for you. And karmically, it's a really poor investment. So if everybody did that, it would be like the bumper sticker in the Vietnam War era that said, what if they gave a war and nobody came? They're giving a war now. It's a war to kill humanity and to kill the biosphere, to kill the ecosystem. And it's well underway. It has been for many years. Rachel Carson, who many of the so-called conservatives ridicule, was understating the problem with pesticides. It's worse than that. And a lot of the um, so-called liberals, you know, a lot of these conservatives are really walking around in a fog completely, uh, you know, as if they were brain dead, but they could recover. And the same thing with the crazy liberals. They're thinking, give up all your rights because you're going to kill the earth. That's insane. You know, forget what party you are and what label you have and get your common sense back. That would be much better. (laughs) Fighting over all this stupid stuff is really dumb. It's about as smart as being racist or, you know, hating people because of their nationality or religion or anything. Look inside somebody, no matter what they look like, and see who they are. And it's going to be much more accurate that way. So anyway, I don't want to go on too long. Carrie Rivera is doing great work is allowing you to get in touch with her if you want to. Um, She's under attack. I mean, serious, you know, death threats and everything else, which reminds you what kind of environment we're in and who rules us, the corporate bosses and the real bosses whose names you have never heard and who are giving orders to the power structure under them. Uh, You need to support people like Carrie Rivera. And... um, Remember her TV show that she told us about, TV, And once a week, what was it, Thursday? I wrote it down. Thursday. Um, I can't read my own notes, but anyway, it's on TV, And it's called Champions with Carrie Rivera, so you can look it up um, once a week. And you can see all the art, uh, the archives of Champions with Carrie Rivera at brighton.com and brighton is B-R-I-G-H-T-E-O-N.com. That's Mike Adams' great platform of free speech. 
Uh, what else? Stay in touch with us as usual at lostartsradio.com. And you want to send us communications. There's a contact form there. If you want to help us keep our commercial free programs going and all the larger projects that we have that are waiting for funding, you can donate to our work at uh, lostartsradio.com. There's a donate button that we'd really appreciate if you have the means to do that. And I've been saying lately, if you're a friendly billionaire who wants to create some good karma, even if you don't want to help us with our larger projects at all, which we would like, I'll still happily give you ideas of other people to help because as a person with the power of resources, you have an incredible opportunity to help the biosphere and humanity come back to health and survive. And I'll, I'll donate a session with you and tell you where they are for the setting up of new educational systems, new health systems, new food systems, agricultural schools. I mean, if there were trillions of dollars available, it could be used right now very efficiently. And if you're one of the people that has that level of resources to draw on and actually wants to do some good instead of just play golf and, you know, try to ignore what's happening in the world and hide from it. Um, I would be honored to help you. So I'll do that. Um, the other thing is help us share the links because especially with a show like Carrie Rivera, you know, last one we did got taken down right away. If you're seeing it on a platform that doesn't censor, try to get it to other people because a lot of people only see the conventional platforms and they need to know about people like Carrie because her message is way beyond uh, just the benefits of chlorine dioxide. It's like the body and the, actually it's the intelligence and consciousness inside your body that's keeping it alive right now. And the same consciousness that built your body from the ground up when you were conceived and you were there or else it wouldn't have happened that consciousness is capable of incredible things that we forgot a long time ago. I think it's time to bring them back and find out who we actually are, not in a belief. We don't need more beliefs, but experience, direct experience. That's that's not just hoping, that's finding out directly. And that's what I'm suggesting. And then if you want to be in an environment that is supportive for doing that, uh, consider... Uh, being with us at planetaryhealingclub.com. And that was started for that reason in 2018. And we're ready to have it expand all over the world now and get our projects done. So that's planetaryhealingclub.com. If you're up to working on the world by starting with yourself, that's what we're interested in doing. And you can help us by participating and becoming an example of what happens to somebody when they actually do that, it can be very incredible. Planetaryhealingclub.com. And I think that's about it. So this is our Sunday night show. We'll have incredible guests on every week. I mean, it's an amazing experience for me to get to meet these people that I would normally not talk to. Um, very grateful that for that and for interacting with you, which gives me an opportunity to do that as well. So thanks for being part of this and uh, 
why think small, you know? Let's just heal the world and start that now. So take care of yourself. You're a very valuable asset for life on this planet. And I'll look forward to meeting you here next time. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows, except the banned ones, are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit Brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum, as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. 
Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. Oh, you want me to be perfect one. So easy to see. Why I push you away But heaven inside my heart And hell in front of me Oh, I walk the endless miles To where I need to be And it's all the same We're holding out for change Inside my heart and hell in front of me. Oh. 